Destiny Church 217 podcast. Today we're hearing from Pastor Eric Hansen, Senior Leader of Destiny Church. In this message, Pastor Eric shares the pathway to a great marriage. Following the message, take a look at the episode description where you can find scripture references as well as helpful links to learn more about the ministry of Destiny Church. Praise the Lord. Get out your Bibles. We're going to talk about a pathway to a great marriage. About half of American marriages end in divorce. We know that to be true. And the top three reasons, number three, too much conflict and arguing. That's 58%. Number two, infidelity or extramarital affairs. That's 60%. And the number one reason for divorce in America today is a lack of commitment. 75% of marriages. So I have for you today, envision, uh, as I often do, we're going to ride two horses today. All right, so we're gonna have uh, horse A, horse B. We're gonna kind of preach two sermons in one, but you'll get, you'll get the gist as we move along. And we're gonna begin with this morning's text in Ephesians chapter five, beginning with the 22nd verse. We have three verses for the ladies, seven verses for the guys. We'll begin at verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, here's your seven verses. Love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds it, cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. Here comes the leave and cleave, 31, For this reason, a man should leave his father and mother and be united, cleave to his wife, and the two become one flesh. That's where we often stop, but there's two more verses I want us to look at, so let's continue with verse 32. The Lord says, this is a profound mystery. Here's the synopsis. He says, wait a second, it's a mystery, but listen, I'm talking about Christ and his church. I'm talking about Christos and his ecclesia, or his ecclesia. The word ecclesia, or ecclesia, which is the word church we have there, is it's important for us to know that the church is a feminine word. We don't have this in English. It seems a little bit weird for us, but in the majority of foreign languages, there's masculine endings and feminine endings to words. And so in Greek, the feminine form of church, or the word church is a feminine noun, and it's important for us in context that the Lord is talking about this mystery. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking I'm talking about Christ, and I'm talking about his church. That's a truth bomb. Here comes the juggernaut. You ready? The steamroller. It's gonna flatten your cultural pop theology. Here it comes. However, each one of you, this is the synopsis. This is how he's summarizing all of those verses. However, each one of you must also, must love agape, his wife, as he loves himself, and his wife must respect, have reverence for her husband. That's verse 33. The point, leave that there just for a second. The point is love and respect. You must love, he must love his wife. What are we talking about? We're talking about the church, right? He must love his wife. Does the Lord love his spouse? Okay, you haven't made the jump with me yet, so I'll wait. Let's all stand on the edge and leap together. We are gonna talk about husbands and wives, but we're talking about the church here for a second. Listen up. We are the bride. He is the bridegroom. His his obligation to us is to love us. Does our bride, or does our groom love us? What is our response to him? 
to respect him, to fear the Lord, Proverbs, hello. This is, the, this is the dynamic in this relationship. He says, I will love you. Not contractually, but in a covenant. Even when you screw up, even when you don't keep your end of the bargain, listen to me. If all you want is a contract, go down to the judge and have a piece of paper. But when you stand before God, you don't make a contract, you make a vow. There are two ceremonies that are happening in that altar on that day. The minister stands in for the judge when he says, by the power vested in me by the state of Illinois, blah, 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 blah. At that moment, he becomes the equal as a judge. And he makes a contractual statement for the state. However, the entire ceremony is a religious ceremony. You're standing before God and witnesses and you take a vow, not a contract. So you make a covenant which says, even if you don't keep your part, I'm still gonna keep my part. That's how serious it is. So the Lord has said, I will love you covenantly. No matter how bad you screw up. Any other screw ups in the house? Yeah, me, okay. No matter how bad you mess up and no matter how many times you mess up, I'm there for you, I'm gonna love you, I'm gonna take care of you, I love you. Now understand love is not always an ooey gooey love. Right parents who love your children. Sometimes there's correction in love. Sometimes there's get out of the street, love. But he loves you, he says I'll always love you. Our response is to fear him, to respect the Lord. Love and respect, that's what we're gonna talk about just for a second. It's ground zero, it's the heart of a good marriage. There's a book by that title. I'm gonna put the, the cover up there. You can take a picture of that if you're interested in reading it. I would encourage all married people to read this book together. Dr. Emerson Egeritz wrote this book called Love and Respect. And the little subtitles, you may not be able to read them, but it says, the love she most desires and the respect he desperately needs. Love and respect. We're riding two horses, remember. Women, primarily, desire love in a marriage. Men, primarily, desire respect in a marriage. Remember verse 33. However, each of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So horse A is the, the natural relationship that we have between husband and wife, loving her, her respecting him, and then on the spiritual plane, you have Jesus, you have Christ loving us and us respecting him. Now in this book, there's an interesting little uh, picture of what they describe, as the, as the author describes as the crazy cycle. And the crazy cycle looks like this. It's where the wife feels unloved by her husband, which leads her to react without respect, which in turn makes the husband feel unloved, and that is a circle of death. If you've ever experienced that, if you've ever been the vort in the vortex of that tornado, of that hurricane, when it approaches your home, you begin to say, she doesn't, he doesn't love me, or she doesn't respect me, what I do, appreciate. So how can we avoid the pitfalls? If that's the primary pitfall, love and respect, which I agree and submit to you this morning. First of all, some advice for singles. Before the singles check out this morning, this is appropriate for all of us. Here's some advice for singles. Do yourself a favor, save yourself the heartache, and skip romantic roulette. Ditch the dating dice. In order for me to do that, I'll need to turn off airplane mode. So I don't know how she still spoke to me, even though I'm flying at 30,000 feet, but now we've just, we've just terminated Siri. So let's start here also for you single people. Let's just, let's just, let's just 
eliminate the phrase missionary dating from your vocabulary. Now, if you're not familiar with this phrase, teenagers. Missionary dating is where I, I love Jesus, I'm born again. He's the love of my life, I'm gonna serve him, I'm gonna honor him, but there's this really hot chick that doesn't love Jesus. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna date her because I'll get her saved. It's called missionary dating. I, I don't see it that way as often as I see it the other way around, where the woman goes, I'll change him. Oh, that's gonna work, that'll work. I'll change him. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So ditch rolling the dating dice and listen to the Lord's command about being equally yoked. Now, notice the word that I just used, and I need to pause because we Americans, because we pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and we have a declaration of independence that we have built our lives on, the declaration of independence because we're Americans and we can do what we want. These are not suggestions. Well, I know the Bible says that, but this is how I feel. Fooey on your feelings. Fooey on your feelings. Let's let that hang there like a, like a baby Ruth, like a baby Ruth in a swimming pool. Just let that hang there for a second. Seen Caddyshack? You seen Caddyshack? Anybody? Yeah. It's a Caddyshack reference. Second Corinthians six fourteen says, "Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or fellowship have can light can have with darkness? Don't do it. Well, you know, he's coming to church with me." <laughs> If he sleeps in the garage, does that make him a car? Just because he comes to church, does that make him a Christian, ladies? Come on, talk to me. I know you're nervous. It's okay. It's all right. We can all be nervous together. You want a life partner, not a life predicament. And after being in ministry for 35, 40, 40 years, uh, golly, gee, We've talked to a lot of people who found themselves in a predicament because, because you yoked yourself with an individual that didn't love Jesus. And now this, this triangle that we talk about and try to create uh, at a marriage ceremony at a, on a wedding day where you say God is at the top and you're over here and he's over here. And as you both pursue a relationship with the Lord and you both become tighter with the Lord and you grow and mature, the byproduct is that you become closer together rather than pursuing him and pursuing her and God's the spare tire. And yeah, we go on Christmas and Easter. I'm talking about, I'm talking about a command, don't. Now, it's a good idea not to be unequal. No, don't do it. Well, Pastor, you're so, you're so firm on that. I'm not firm at all. I'm just telling you what it says. I, I'm, not, I'm not adding emphasis if that's what it says. And so it's my, my, my responsibility, whether you, whether you like it or not. There's been things said from this pulpit that are absolutely the God's honest truth and people leave because they don't like it. <laughs> so let's continue. The, the rule... The rule that we gave Hannah, I didn't ask you to use you as an example today, so I'm just going to presume it's okay. Um, uh, is I, I said, listen, when it's time to date, only date people that you think are going to be a good mate. As soon as you figure out they're not going to be a good mate, move on, because then you're just wasting time. You can have friends, you can have guys who are friends, and you can have, she had lots of guys who were friends, but when you find one who you think, well, he, I might like him to be the, the father of my child. I might wanna live the rest of my life with him. Well, then you start down that path. And when you realize, when the Lord tells you and you figure it out, he's not real, he's not genuine, this is not gonna be a fit, but your heart is already attached because you already slept with him. Because ladies, you will give love in order to have relationship and guys will fake relationship in order to have some loving. That's the way we're wired. 
Don't do it, ladies. Don't do it, ladies. From the book of wisdom, Proverbs 31, verse 30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. Anybody remember the movie Titanic? Check this out. It was 27 years ago. I don't know if you remember. 27 years ago is when that movie came out. 27 years ago. Oh, there's a hottie, Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. Come on, girls. Kate Winslet. I've never seen the movie. I don't know. I've never seen the movie. Take it up with my wife. I just don't do movies. I just don't do movies. I just don't. I've never seen the movie. You know what? I know how it ends. I think the boat goes down. That's not a spoiler alert, but I think it goes down. Anyway, so you stand. The most amazing thing is as a minister, when you do wedding ceremonies, or even as you go to a wedding, you look, you look at Tom and Lisa or Jerry and Katie or whoever. You look at Leonardo and Kate and you go, oh, oh, it's so, so nice. But then you, just 27 years, just 27 years ago, let's just add 27 years to the picture and let's see what we end up with. Oh yeah, that's, that, that, that's what we end up with. She has a little bladder incontinence. He can't hear very well. She's got high blood pressure. She has all these doctor's appointments. He's got all the, what, bursite, all, the, all the things that go wrong with guys, all those things. He's got that. So you young loves, you better hang on. This is what you're in for. What did Proverbs say? Beauty is fleeting. Beauty's fleeting. Oh man, she's so good looking. Well, there's gonna come a day she's gonna wrinkle. And gravity will have won. Are you listening to me? Gravity always wins. And if all your love is based on somebody's good looks and not the content of their character, what kind of person they are, whether they love Jesus, whether they're steadfast, whether they're full of peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and meekness and self-control, and all you have is just a, an overswole beach bum who kicks sand in little people's faces, that's not who you wanna marry, ladies. Well, he's so big and he's so brawny. Well, guess what? It's all gonna sag. And he's gonna have extra strong prescription glasses. <laughs> and you're gonna have to tell him where to turn everywhere you go in town. So before the pathway to a great marriage, there's a pathway to the altar. So follow the progression. We're talking about marriage, but how do we get to marriage? How do we get from point A to the altar so that we can have a marriage. So we're gonna talk about the predicate, those things that precede, which is an introduction. The pathway to a great marriage starts when you, when you, when you see someone, when you are introduced to someone. It's, it's superficial. You just write these down. This is, how you, this is how you develop a relationship. You have an introduction. Hi, this is Larry. Larry, this is Kim. Well, I think I wanna know more. I think I wanna know more about Kim, all right? So then you begin to date or court. And, all, and Katie, dating and courting, that's, uh, that's fun, for the most part. That's fun. It's expensive, too. It's very expensive. It's fun. Movies and dinner, all kinds of parties and New Year's Eve party. I haven't seen Midnight in like in 30 years on New Year's Eve. <laughs> Just like every other day on the calendar. Can I get a holla holla? <laughs> but you have this dating, you have this courting, it's fun and you go out and then something happens and you begin to say to yourself, I think, I think this may be the one. I think I might wanna live the rest of my life with this person. So what happens is you become engaged 
And engagement is a period, it's a test, it's a trial where you say there is some exclusivity. We are exclusively with each other at this point. You're not gonna go out and date other people on the weekends and you're not gonna see other people and you're not gonna get all weird if I pick up your phone and start seeing who you talk to and where you went, what you were looking at. Oh, you guys get so nervous, so nervous. So it's this engagement period, it's where possibly some arguments surface, most likely I would hope. And then of course you get introduced to the parents. Ooh, that's a big deal. That Christmas party or whatever it is. And so the big day comes and now the marriage begins. Again, we're not talking about a contract, we're talking about start, standing before God and making a vow. Please note the difference. You go down to the courthouse, they have you sign a piece of paper, which is a contract. And there's no for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, and sick. There's none of that on that document. There's none of that. I don't know if you've ever been down there and looked at that. There's none of that. When you stand in front of God in the house of the Lord, in front of an assembly of believers, and the minister says, now you're gonna take a vow, it's not like some whimsical thing And here's the vow, to have and to hold from this day forward. It's a commitment to cherish. You know when you're shopping in the store, um, and I'll just use my phone as an example, since Siri's been turned off. Uh, so you find something in the store. Well, I don't know where, where, wherever your favorite store is. You know where I like one of my favorite stores? Hobby Lobby, I like Hobby Lobby. I know, calling me weird. But it, there's all kinds of creative things you can do there, and that's what I, that's what I like about it. So you pick something, or, or, or you go to, a, ladies, you go to a clothing store or wherever. You got a shopping cart, and you put it in the cart, but you're not committed yet. You, you ever had that feeling? Like, I don't want to put it back on the shelf. I'm not going to put it back on the hanger. I'm not going to put it back, but I might want it. So you keep it. Cheryl, am I talking your language now? I know. So we push this thing around the cart. We push, we push this boyfriend, I mean this item, all the way around <laughs> until you get to checkout. And checkout's where the money has to be presented, where, the, where hey, this is, this is a big deal. You're taking this thing home. And there's a no refund policy. Yes, I know it's from the scratch and dent pile, but there's no refund. If you, if, you, if you plop down the cash, you're going home with him. I mean, the shirt or whatever it is. And we have even seen, I have witnessed firsthand, someone saying, and handing it to the checker, I really don't want this. And the checker says, okay, puts it aside and you don't have to pay for it. To have and to hold means it's yours. It's yours. You are leaving the store, you're paying the price, and you're taking the item home. For better, for worse. In good times, and in good times. <laughs> That's not what it says. That's the last time I've never read that. It says, for better or for worse. So what happens is you, you push this, this vase all the way around um, TJ Maxx, What's the other place out there by TJ Maxx? Marshalls. Marshalls. You find this vase, and you, then you, oh, it's great. And you didn't think long enough about it. You didn't, we're riding two horses. You didn't think long enough about it. You didn't pray about it. You just thought, ah, this is a cool vase. Then you get the thing home, and you realized on the bottom, made in China, and it's chipped. And you paid way too much for it. But guess what? It's your vase. Well, I'll take it back. Tough, too bad. Maybe you should have thought a little longer about that before you jumped into that. I'll tell you where they get you. I'll know you where they get you. They get you at the jewelry store. That's where they get you. You know why? Because they got 
27 spotlights at 3 million watts a piece shining down on that little piece of compressed coal to make you think that thing is the shiniest thing ever created under heaven. And you walk out of the store and you go, ooh, that's not very shiny. That's not very bright. Heads up, ladies, we guys try to put the best foot forward. We, it's not always that way with us. We may skip a couple days changing our underwear if we didn't know you. And those socks don't smell that bad. And just because I slept in that shirt doesn't mean I can't wear it today. Ladies, this is mankind. This is us. We're going to try to tell you there's no cracks or dings, right? But oh, there are. For richer, for poorer. Regardless of your financial situation, the unexpected balloon payment, when he gets fired or she gets fired, well, we're gonna separate our money. Let me just give you, let me give you a little piece of advice on that. You trust him with your life, but not your bank account? Oh, see, I've gone to meddling. Now I can come down there because I've talked to some of you. I'm not thinking of any of you individually. or I never preach a sermon at anybody. These are, these are principles. But let me tell you what. If you trust, I trust her with my life, which means I think I could trust her with my money. And you know what? Our money is so much better than his money and her money. We know couples that are his money, her money. And it works fine for us. Well, okay, it could be better, but let's, let's, ha- let's combine it. Let's combine it for richer, for poorer. Well, let's have a prenuptial agreement, not a fan. Prenuptial agreement is a bridge that goes backwards. It's an escape hatch. Either you're in it or you're not in it. That's like keeping your little black book around. In case this doesn't work out, I'll just try something else. Trying to give you some truth. How about sickness and in health? Disease, illness, health challenges. Let me give you another little axiom, a little, a little, a little piece of uh, Kate Winslet advice and Leonardo device. If you begin to look at your life and your body, we're talking about sickness and in health, it is appointed for all of us to die. And hopefully we all die of old age. Some, some people, for whatever reason, die prematurely. But we're all gonna die. And that means parts are gonna wear out. How old a car do you have, right? And you say to yourself, I just, I just, I just uh, got rid of my yellow truck that had 200 and, I think it was 250 or 225, I forget what I had on it, but I had a lot of miles on that thing. And, and you know how, let me tell you, you, in an older car like that, you think to yourself, should I put another set of tires on this car? Because I don't know that I want to spend $800 for a new set of tires if the engine's going to blow next month because I'll never get my money back on my tires. Or something not as, not as graphic as that. Let's say you're, and, 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 uh, your side mirror gets a crack on it and a replacement side mirror is $125. You think to yourself, well, I'm gonna live with a cracked mirror till this car bites the dust. I'm not spending the money to fix the cracked mirror, right? Yes. You begin to say, well, I like my little blower on my heater. I didn't have one, two, or three. I only had four. It was either <laughs> or nothing in my truck for years, a couple years. And it wasn't that expensive to change the part, but I'm just not gonna spend the money. I'm not gonna spend the money because it works on four. So you just get it really cold in there and turn it off and then you start warming up and you get it really cold again or vice versa. That's how it worked. That's horse A. Horse B is this is you and your body. At some point, the doctor says it's really not worth you having open heart surgery. You're 80 years old. The chances of you dying are so much greater. At and so this body, which is the vehicle whereby you maneuver because you are a spiritual being who happens to have a body, not a body who happens to have a spirit. This is only the vehicle you run around earth in in 80 plus years. 
and it eventually wears out. I know when you're young, I don't jump off the bed of my truck anymore. I don't. My truck has a little step that comes down if I push a button. I use it every time. You know why? Gravity wins. When I'm young, when you're young, what happens? You bounce. You don't bounce. When you get this age, you go, bam, something's broken. The point is, the point is, these bodies wear out for in sickness and in health. Well, she's got cancer. She's got diabetes. She's blind in her right eye. She drags her left foot when she walks. She doesn't speak well. She had a stroke. Now she can't talk. She can't eat. And she dribbles her chocolate pudding, and I have to feed it to her for better, for worse. In sickness and in health, I will feed her chocolate pudding. I'll scrape it off her sweatshirt and I'll stick it back in. <laughs> Say, finish your pudding. That's what I, listen, this is the sobriety of marriage. Hear me. This is cookies on the bottom shelf. Let's talk real. Somebody comes and throws acid in your beautiful husband's face, in your handsome husband's face, and his face is melted for the next 30 years of his life before he goes to see Jesus. You will love him. Guys, you will love her. You will love her for the rest of your life, regardless of how saggy, how wrinkled, how old, how decrepit, I have friends, you have friends, you know people who have had Alzheimer's where, where they're married and he doesn't recognize her anymore. They've been married 50 years, don't even recognize. Who are you, why are you in my house? Well, honey, we've been married 50 years, you're my husband. Oh, okay, what's for breakfast? And then three minutes later, who are you? Three. Two minutes, one minute later, who are you? Well, I'm your husband. We've been married for 50 years. Three minutes later, again, now, who are you? Tell me again. I'm not making this up. This is real. This is how it is. This is how it is. Well, it's just too much for me to handle. And that's not what you signed up for. You said better for worse. Sickness and health. That's how serious it is. Cars wear out, so do people. And you don't get to trade it in. And this, the next one, to love and to cherish. What does that sound like? That sounds like love and respect. You love her, she respects you. She respects you, you love her. And we don't have a crazy cycle, we have a Holy Ghost cycle. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. I am not telling you we've done it perfect, but we've been married 40 years. We've had some ups and downs. We've had sickness and health. We've had better for worse. We've certainly had richer and poorer. I'm just telling you, forsaking all others? That means, guys, you keep your eyeballs in your head. My life, my wife is a, you may not know this, but my wife was a beauty pageant winner. She was a beauty pageant contestant. She was Miss Pekin. She did all those types of things. And she likes that whole thing and, the, and scholarships and all that, whatever. But they're women in swimsuits, let me just tell you. So she's like, I'm gonna, I wanna watch Miss America. I said, you can watch Miss America. I'm not watching Miss America. There's no reason for me. There's no reason for me to watch Miss America. Well, it's artistic. Yeah, all right, whatever. You know. I mean, our, 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 our society is so hypersexualized. So hypersexualized. And let me tell you, ladies, men are microwaves. Just push a couple buttons, boom, we're ready, man. We're ready to go. Ladies are more like crockpots. If you want to make love to your wife, you better start and turn that thing on in the morning because... That's a, little, that's a little TMI, I know, and I wasn't planning on saying that, but that's the reality of marriage.
forsaking all others. God gave you men a marvelous, gave us men a marvelous invention. It's called a neck. Whereby if there's something here you know you shouldn't be looking at, you just go like this. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? You just like, you just get to, you just get to turn your head. Try it. Well, it's just everywhere. It's on every television. Yeah, it's, it's, it's everywhere. So here's the difference. Let me, just give you, let me just give you a little tutorial. You know, so you're watching something. You're watch, you, this is the remote control. Click, click, click. And something comes that's inappropriate. You just keep going click, 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 not click. That's the difference. Is this helping anybody? I, th- I hope so. Forsaking all others, that's where we're at. I, I know of a couple, I know of a couple, that was the most stupid, one of the most stupidest things I've ever heard. This woman asked her husband, if I were to die, who in the church would you date? Oh. <laughs> he answered. Just about ended the marriage. Just about ended the marriage. Ladies don't ask it, husbands don't answer it. We're talking exclusivity, loyalty, fidelity. That includes pornography. I'm not hurting anybody. Yeah, you're hurting your marriage, you're hurting your wife. You two became one. Don't do it. Well, she thinks it's okay. I don't care if she thinks it's okay. She may think jumping off a bridge is okay. You're the man of the house. Make a decision and don't have porn in your house or on your phone. And then, the, then in case that wasn't enough, we're gonna add until death do us part, which means it's a life sentence. I, listen, I am 61 years old. I got married when I was 21. I remember most specifically of all my anniversaries, my 21st anniversary, it's like, oh my gosh, I've been married longer than I've been alive. There's that, I don't know, there's a fulcrum in my, in my life where I now have been married longer, like three, twice as long as I was ever alive when I got married. Sure glad I made a good choice. But it's for life. Psychologists, sociologists tell us there's a pathway. So once we've made ourselves uh, available and we've got ourselves to the altar, now you're married, how does this thing unfold? Well, there are some road signs. Stages of marriages. Number one, roadside number one, road sign, is passion. Phase one of a marriage, passion, the honeymoon phase. Physical touchy-touchy. You ever been like over to a a brand new married people's house they're like all over each other? Touchy-touchy. Like, you know, a chair and they're both sitting in the same chair. You know. I mean, I understand. It's part, it's a phase. It's part of the process. And in this, in, this first, in this first stage of marriage, which is passion, all those little quirks, they're so cute. <laughs> they're not gonna be cute forever, but they're cute right now. Oh, he always, he always slurps his soup. Isn't that cute? <laughs> you see point number two, you see stage number two. That's realization. That's buyer's remorse. Did I do this? Did I really do this? We're so different. I can't believe I didn't know that about her, about him. Their style, their upbringing, their emotional, their values, their goals, their their expectations, right? That's really where the rub happens. And, and when I have an expectation as to how something's supposed to go and you have an expectation how something goes and I think it's great because it went the way I thought it was gonna go, your expectations weren't met and now you can be angry and now you get upset because it didn't go. But if we communicated about, hey, what's your expectation on this event? Well, I think we should stay for two hours. And when I go, <clears throat> that's cue, we leave. No, no, Christmas. In-laws, outlaws, when I go, <coughs> honey, you ready to go? Don't say whatever you want, babe. 
Don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. Mm -mm. No, we have this agreement and these are our expectations so that we can have joy. Well, I thought our, we're gonna spend all day at my mom's house. We're gonna spend all day at the in-law. We're gonna spend all day there. That was my expectation. That's family. It's great. And, and his expectation or her expectation is we're in, we're out. We said hello and we're done. Well, that sounds so menial. Sounds so trivial. Get married and try that. Just try that. Just try that being married. <laughs> Expectations, communication. You realize it's for life. Then strife comes. Strife is finances, sex, work schedules. Early on, it's, he's a night person. She's a night person. He's a, he's a, he gets up in the morning. She stays up late at night, whatever. Personal time. Well, I need time with the boys. Well, I need time with the girls. I don't know how that works for you. Then there's the in-laws and communication and chores. Who's in charge of what? Who's, there's ultimate responsibility, but then who's gonna do that? Who, is that their thing? That's their thing. I don't get to vacuum. I tried vacuuming and occasionally I still do, but I run into things and I'm not allowed to vacuum. She's in charge of vacuuming. She has taken the vacuum from me and told me no vacuuming to you. No. I don't get to vacuum. I don't get to do laundry. I don't, she, she will have a hissy fit if I do laundry because I don't do it right. So you're in charge. I'm in charge of the remote control. That was tough, but we got through that. I'm in charge of trash. I'm in charge of everything from the walls out. In the yard, that's on me. Doesn't mean she can't do it or won't do it. If I had to do laundry, I'd do laundry. If I had to vacuum, I'd do that. It's not tit for tat and you do that and I do that. It's we're, we're, we're dividing up responsibilities and, and she's very good with money. And I have a lot to do here, so I don't have anything to do with the finances at home. But ultimately, I'm responsible for that. But she's in charge of those things. Just how it works for us. But there's strife. There's opportunity for strife. And the phrase, if you would like to attach a phrase with step number three, it's this. If only they would change, everything would be perfect. If you say that, to, if only she would, mm, if only he would, mm, then everything. And the, the problem with that statement is, if you haven't figured out, we're gonna go past 11.30, just a few minutes here. If you haven't figured out, that statement revolves around them changing, not you changing. And you only have control over you, sir. Ma'am, you only control you. As I like to tell people, and Cheryl and I remind each other, I have a hard enough time controlling myself. Why would I try to control anybody else? Take care of you. Well, he's horrible. He does mm, 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 and mm all the time. And the strife is unbearable. If any of them, wives, do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. It's not your job to fix him, ma'am. He doesn't need another mother. He already had one. Yeah. Well, he's not doing what I, he, what he says, he's not doing what you say he should do, Pastor. Oh, don't drag me into that. <laughs> he's not doing what the Bible says. Well, then take it up with the Lord. And the Lord says, stop nagging him. Stop going on. Win him without words. Live a righteous, godly lifestyle. Right. For better, for worse. Then stage number four, children come along. National average is after four years. Cheryl and I had Hannah at seven years. We had three miscarriages. It was horrible. Horrible. That was better for worse years. But children, let me, let me tell you this. Let me tell you something. As a product of divorce, my parents divorced. As a product of divorce, divorce is a gift that gives forever. My dad has passed, but when he was alive, it was like, okay, so, you know, holidays, vacation, I mean, all, all, all of those things. And it's like, it's just not a good answer. Children are your children forever. You don't divorce your children, right? But you'll, you, you will never be free of that person that you've divorced. And there's people here that are divorced. It's not a condemning message for you, but you can say, certainly say an amen. You divorced him, you divorced her, but they're still around and you still gotta deal with them. 
18 years before you can get rid of them. 18 years, Hannah, Ryan, 18 years apiece. So you have a kid when you're 32. Plus 18 means you will not have another free day until you're 50. Think of that. Think of that. Just telling you, that's the children. That's the chilling age. Then the reunion stage. The reunion stage is they've moved on and you look at your spouse and you go, who is he? Because you spent all your time concerned with those children and now you don't know him anymore. And he went on because you didn't respect him and you didn't respect what he did and you didn't feel loved and so you lived your own little personal lives and now all of a sudden the focus of her life is gone and now you want a reunion? This is what has to happen. Finding each other again. Setting new financial goals, new relationship goals, until finally, which I told my wife, which is a miracle, by the way, because whenever I preach on marriage, generally have, we have a pretty good fight the week that I preach about marriage. I don't know, it's just the Lord, just the Lord testing us or something. But this week, we did not have a fight, so praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The day's not over. Day's not over. Day's not over. Day's not over. Settle down. Day's not over. But the fulfillment stage, I told her we were in the fulfillment stage. Well, what is that? That's when the kids are growing up. Grandkids start to come. New deep emotional bonds, shared accomplishments, new successes, mutual joy, joint successes, new shared products, uh, priorities. It's amazing. But we're talking about the pathway to a great marriage. Back to the, the text. This is a profound mystery. I'm talking about Christ and the church meaning that we are the bride, Jesus is the groom. So this being the inalterable truth, what is the pathway to a great marriage if Jesus is our groom? So we've ridden this horse about earthly marriage for quite a while. Now we're gonna wrap it up and I'm gonna talk about this heavenly marriage that you and I are in if we have a relationship with Jesus, okay? You ready? Yes, same pro, I have to go fast so you must listen fast. The same progression is true. There's an introduction, there's dating, courting, engagement, wedding, and so on and so forth. So in the introduction phase, some of you may be here this morning because your mom or dad invited you. It's the discovering Jesus. Hi, and how does that happen? Well, my friend invited me to this party and I got introduced to Jesus. That's the introduction phase. It begins with discovering him. I think I might like to know more about him. And so you move on to the dating, courting relationship with Jesus. And I, this is a wonderful, they're not saved, they're not saved. They just, they've taken a step closer to the church. They've taken a step closer in a relationship. They got introduced to Jesus and they're thinking, I might like to date him. I might like to, you know, it's a metaphor. I might like to step in a little closer to this and, oh, it's fun. We make new friends. We go to potlucks and we go to church. Not faithfully, heavens, no, not faithfully. You're not faithful in a dating relationship. You still have other gods, I mean other people. You go to camp and men's group and women's group and youth group, but it's only as long as they're fun. Somebody starts meddling about marriage you're up and out, man. That was just too much. Start talking about false religions and that offends you because your husband's a Jehovah's Witness or your, your, your friend's a Mormon or your acquaintance is, a, is a, some other false religion. That's, you, you were just dating Jesus. You took a step closer and it stopped being fun for you and so you never moved past that. But you... You got to some special meetings and you heard about his teachings. You learned a little bit about his passion, his grace, his love. And then you heard about the non-negotiables. There were some non-negotiables in a relationship with Jesus and you heard about those. Sin, heaven, hell, those types of things. And you made a determination. Okay, let's do this exclusively. I'm gonna step into an engagement relationship with Jesus. I wanna as know as much as I possibly can. And some people, maybe not you, but some people mistake the engagement phase for being married. I'm exclusive of you, Jesus. There's no vow. He may or may not be on the throne of your heart tomorrow morning because you have something better to do or something else and your neck still is staring at some foreign gods, right? Yeah, yeah. So that engagement phase, 
There are some arguments, some disagreements between you and the Lord. But here's the thing. You have these arguments in an engagement phase with the Lord, but what, what, what's the vow? The vow is to love and respect. He says, I love you, I love you, I love you, if you'll respect me, if you'll honor me, if you'll respect me and you'll honor me. And so as long as you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, as long as love is what you focus on in your relationship with the Lord, all the other stuff will begin to happen. You, you love him, then the respect happens. No crazy cycle. Then the big day arrives. What's the big day? That's the day you say yes. That's the day you walk the aisle, metaphorically, and get married to the groom as the bride. Now, it's easier for women. I get it. Ladies, you, 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 you are a bride. You were a bride. You think about being a bride. You're women. That's what you do. You think about those types of things. Guys, we never put ourselves in the bride mentality. But guys, in this context, we have to. It may make you feel uncomfortable, but it's the reality of, of what the Lord's tell, telling us and teaching us in Ephesians. All right, so we take this, we take this, we take this last step and we stand and we raise our hand and we come forward, we say a prayer, whatever, wherever it was that you made that commitment to the Lord. You know what you did? You took a vow that day. Well, I said the prayer. Well, I'm not saying necessarily saying the prayer is the answer because I can go buy a parrot and teach it to say the sinner's prayer doesn't mean the parrot's saved. You're still operating in an engagement mentality. I'm talking about when you say, hey, to have and to hold for better, for worse, in good times and bad, for richer, for poor. Well, I paid my tithe and I'm still poor and, I, and, and sickness and health. God was supposed to heal me and he didn't heal me. Do you hear what I'm saying? In this relationship with the Lord, for richer, for poorer. Well, I thought I was supposed to prosper. Everything you do prospers. And I'm not prospering. I'm giving up on God. Well, then you made a contract. You didn't make a covenant. To love and to cherish, forsaking all other gods. Comfort, convenient, porn, money, position, power. And the biggest false god in American history is self. I'm in charge. No one's gonna tell me what to do. Who do you think you are, Pastor? Listen, I'm just telling you what it says in here. Don't get mad. Talk to the author. Talk to the author. Exclusivity, loyalty, fidelity. For how long? Till you die. I am going to be a Christian, so God help me, with God's help, the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how I stay married. You better have the Holy Spirit in your life somewhere. I'm gonna be a Christian till the day I die. I'm gonna be a Christian till the day I die. I'm gonna love Jesus until the day I die. That's my vow. Okay, can you give me five more minutes to, to, to finish the analogy? Because we did that introductory phase and then the marriage and then the vow in the natural. In, in the spiritual side of things, this relationship you have with the Lord also has passion, phase one. That's that honeymoon phase. Brand new Christians, I love being around brand new Christians. They're in the honeymoon phase. They're sitting on daddy God's lap all the time. Yes. That's awesome. Then there's the realization phase. When you, get your, when you get yourself saved and you give your life to Jesus, there's a moment you go, hmm, I really did that. I, I'm, I'm realizing this is a big deal. And then strife comes. What I say about strife, it's that phrase. If only he would change. The Lord doesn't change. There it is. You knew the rule book going in. You should have read it over a little closer before you got involved. If only God would change his mind and let me do what I want to do. I know what the word says, pastor, but I want to do how I feel. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right. I don't feel that's right. Well, you can disagree with me, but you're ultimately gonna have to answer the Lord. What's the right thing to do? Do it. What hurts? Do it. It's uncomfortable. Do it. I don't like it. Do it. Why? Because you took a vow. That's why. You took a vow. You took a vow. 
Then children. What's children? That's when you start learning out. You start making disciples. You step up and you go, well, I have a bigger responsibility in this Christian life than just to have fun. I'm gonna produce a disciple. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring somebody under my wing. Then the reunion stage where you and the Lord find each other again. I, I'm kind of in there right now, that fulfillment stage where, where kids are growing up. I love that in the relationship that you have with the Lord. Here's how we're gonna wrap this up. In the natural, you take a look at that book called Love and Respect and you can apply it to your marriage. Please do so, get a copy, read it together. But the other horse, this spiritual application, applying the same principles to our walk with the Lord, it's important. Both are rooted in love and respect. As the groom he has promised, he'll always love you. He'll never stop loving you. He laid down his life for you. He provides for you, he protects you. And as the bride, what's our responsibility? Respect him. Respect him, fear him, honor him, reverence him, obey him, the one who laid down his life for you. So where does this leave us this morning? It leaves you in somewhere in this relationship hierarchy, paradigm, if you will. Perhaps level one is an introduction. Today you're just hearing about Jesus, I may or may not want to. Maybe you're in a dating relationship with him and you only like the fun stuff. And you're more than happy to have him pay for everything. Let me talk to seasoned saints just for a minute. I'm talking about passion, honeymoon phase Christians. I, by the way, I love having those people pray for me because they got such wild faith. I, I, and God, for his, in his divine wisdom, grants the prayers of those newbie Christians so wonderfully. But you know what comes? There comes a time when we have been a, a little bit more longer in our walk with the Lord and we say, God, would you please do this for me? He goes, no, I'm not gonna tie your shoes anymore. You should grow up. There are more important fish to fry here than me tying your shoes for you. Occasionally, I might tie your shoes, but that's not my responsibility anymore. You're grown up. Grow up in the faith. Okay. The engagement phase, maybe that's you right now. You may have thought you were saved, but you thought maybe, oh, maybe I should rethink that. And then you enter into a covenant. And when you enter into that covenant, you gotta remember, you're gonna have phases, the honeymoon phase, the realization phase, then strife, where you're gonna think to yourself, I wish God would change. This is gonna be tough if I gotta do this for the rest of my life. Then you begin to love him and honor him. You make some disciples and you fall in love with him all over again. And so we'll end with the way we began, the opening statistic, the number one reason for divorce, lack of commitment. How do you fix it? Revelation two, verse five, repent and do the things you did at first. Repent and do the things you did at first. What are the things I did in courting my wife? What did I do that showed her that, that I loved her? How did I act? How did I speak? And now 40 years later, if things get wonky or cold, I think to myself, how did I get her the first time around? What did I do? I loved her and I showed her kindness, did things. Oh, you don't have to do that. You don't have to, that's what they say. You don't have to do that. No, 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 let me, let me do that. Discover, discover your mate's love language. Mine's, my, my wife is acts of service. When I do things for her, she, that's, she feels honored and loved there. In your relationship with the Lord, I don't know where you're at in that continuum, on that pathway to a great marriage, whether it's in the natural with your marriage at home or in the spiritual with your marriage to your heavenly father, don't know where you're at on that, but if it's gotten a little sideways, repent. That means stop, stop. Please, turn around and start doing the things you did when you first fell in love. Do the things you did when you first fell in love. Whichever horse you're riding right now, in your natural marriage or in your relationship with the Lord, whatever it was back in the day, 
that got your juices flowing, do that. Because Luke 9, 61 is a sobering verse. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand in the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. That means once you've done this, once you make your commitment to the Lord, you have no other options. Once you sign on the dotted line with the United States Navy or the United States Marine Corps and you say, I'm gonna be a Marine for the next three years of my life, you don't, at, at 18 months, you, you don't get to say, ah. You don't get to say, sorry, ha, ha, changed my mind. No, you signed up. This is it, this is how it is. Well, when you give your life to the Lord, it's for life. Now, some of you, it's all gotten sideways. My, my, my encouragement to you is it can be restored. Your relationship with the Lord can be restored. Just go back and do the things you used to do. Fall in love with him all over again. Love, love is a decision. Well, I fell out of love. I fell, oh, that's a bunch of hooey. That's a bunch of hogwash. You make a decision. I will love her, period. Even when she irritates me. Sometimes I tell her. Sometimes I'll tell her. Hey, listen, do not irritate me today. Do not irritate me today. I'm not in the mood to be irritated. So we just, we've been buried long enough. You can have those conversations. Listen, I do not need my buttons pushed today. Whatever it is. That's natural. In the spirit, do the same thing. Go back to the Lord and say, you know, I've really messed up. I didn't use my neck the way I should have. I was staring at some foreign gods and I was getting my jollies here, there, and everywhere. You're my groom, and I'll respect you. Okay. I've run out of words for now. Why don't you stand up? Because that's a lot to chew on. Some of you are going to have to go home, listen to the podcast. And let me tell you this. If some of you are planning on sending this as a missile to somebody else, just stop that right now. Well, you know who needs to hear that? That's you trying to change somebody else. My husband, my wife, you take care of you. How about that? How about you take care of you? I'll take care of me. and We'll all love Jesus together. Some of you, the ship crashed and there's fallout. Then deal with that. Make the wife or the husband you have now, the last husband, the last wife you have for the rest of your life. Say, listen, I understand the sobriety of this. This is a big deal. We will, not, we will not bend, we will not bend the word to fit the context of our culture. Can't do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. So Father, we honor you and we respect you. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we stand here, God, totally broken, totally unable to fix ourselves. But with you, all things are possible fix a marriage, to fix a broken relationship, to start afresh, to start over, or to avoid even getting into a difficult situation. We need your help. So we come, we repent, we say, God, we will respect you, we'll honor you, we will love you in sickness or in health, for better, for worse. Forsaking all others, and cleaving only to you so long as we shall live. If you're ready to make that commitment, that recommitment to make a vow to the Lord, then just raise your hand with me. Just a minute longer. There's a couple more that need to raise their hand. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed of love. <laughs> he loves you. So Lord, we will respect and we'll honor you. We'll start fresh today. We'll turn our back on all other gods. We repent. And we make a vow today to be with you until death. To honor you, to love you until death separates us so that we can be together. 
That's our vow to you, Lord. We will never leave you. With the Holy Spirit's help, with his power, we will serve you the rest of our lives. And Lord, for marriages this morning, Lord, there's an attack on marriage in our country, in the world, because it represents the love you have for your church. That's why. And so, Lord, we'll stand strong, as strong as we can. And when we feel weak, we'll rest and trust in you. Lead us, Lord, in our earthly marriages to be kind, to repent and go back to our first love. Regardless where we're at on that pathway with children or realization or passion or kids or reunion, whatever, Lord, let us keep our eyes fixed on you. And may we both ascend in our relationship towards you. And even if our spouse doesn't, we commit to be with you. Thank you, Father, for these, your words today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. This has been a message from Destiny Church in Springfield, Illinois. To learn more about our ministry, visit the episode description where you can find links to our website, ways to give, and more about who we are. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationship. Relationship.